Hi, and welcome to the Overflow Podcast. I'm Chuck Ammons, lead pastor of Overflow Church in Brandon, Florida, and we are here to help you receive the Father's love and to release it to everyone you encounter everywhere. Wherever you're listening from today, your God adores you. I pray this message elevates and ignites your faith. On this podcast, you will find biblical messages to activate your faith so you experience the goodness of God and the greatness of your unique voice in His kingdom. To find out more about Overflow Church, visit us at overflowchurch.com or on Facebook at Overflow Church Brandon. We'd also love to encourage you to check out our book, Life in the Overflow, and its accompanying devotional on amazon.com. Last week, awesome. Come together and celebrate, play some kickball. I got to find all kinds of spirit at some of you that I never knew was there before. That was just tremendous to share that chili cook-off. And now today we have made it to the very end. We've been going since August through a message series about the church and the blueprint. And this series is a particularly different kind of series because it's called a teaching series, which means it's a super heavy content. And now some of you are teaching grace people, which is where we're closing today talking about. And for you teaching grace people, this has been heaven. But for the rest, this has been a stretch that you've been like, oh my gosh, there's so much content. There's like the most words that are taking place in this series. And I just want to thank you because it's been equipping us together. And you made it, y'all. We're at our last series, last message in the series today. Talk about teaching grace. I would encourage you, if you want to follow along with the notes today, you could scan that QR code there. And we're going to dive in to our final message together. But first, just let me pray for us. Father, I'm asking right now that as we, as we run, as we run this race, I know, Father, there are some very particular places that you want to position our hearts together as a church. I know there are eternal realities that you want to take place today. So I just pray that you'd gear up our minds and our hearts. Lord, it isn't even about our feelings today with the, the changing of, of an hour and whether we feel more restful or less restful today. Father, it doesn't matter. You're on the throne, you're king, and so we come in an act of surrender, and we just simply ask this, Jesus, have your way today. Have your way. Through everything we're going to do today in this service and everywhere we go after, Lord, would you just have your way? If you agree with that, say amen. 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 Well, if you look in your life, and you can tell me any one thing about God, about life, or about you that you would say that you are confident is true. If you could tell me one thing in your life you're confident is true, I can point to a teacher or a series of teachers in your life that have defined and greatly refined that truth to become a pillar in your soul. If you tell me any skill that you've discovered or developed or deployed in your life, I can tell you about an experience with the grace gift called teaching. Sometimes teaching takes place in a classroom. Other times it takes place on a sports field. Many times teaching takes place right where we are today in a church building. Or maybe it takes place around the dinner table or over a cup of coffee. Over and over again for all of us in a million skills we now proudly hold. Teaching took place from a parent who loved us tirelessly. In the workplace, teaching often takes place through a mentor. But the reality for us this morning is that all of us have been shaped 
by teachers who have articulated and modeled truth to make it accessible so that it's come alive in our lives. So for every skill that we've sharpened, for every truth that we've allowed to train us, for every revelation we've let refine us, I pray today that we will thank God for our teachers. See, today as we reach the final message in this series, we've been looking at a blueprint of what Jesus called the church to be. And in particular, we've been looking at these five gifts of grace, five tangible manifestations of who God is that he's actually released in each of us. If the Holy Spirit is in you, all five of these are in us. And it's desperately needed because this is the way that we experience the fullness of his presence and overflow out into our streets to drench Brandon the Bay and beyond with his love and with his power. And so as we've been looking, the key verses we've been examining together have been Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 to 13. And one last time, I'm going to read it. Don't worry if you're here at Overflow. This is not the last time you'll ever see these verses, but it is the last time in this series. Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until... We all reach unity in the faith. What's that? That we all become one. That we all reach unity in the knowledge of the Son of God. What's that? That we know Jesus and that we become mature. That we would attain the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And as we've talked about the fivefold grace of God, this is what we've said. That apostolic grace matures us in health. That prophetic grace roots us in holiness that evangelistic grace anchors us in hope, that shepherding grace gives us a home, and that teaching grace stirs us with hunger. And so in each of these graces, today being no exception, we've asked five questions about how to unlock these graces in our life. And I want to remind you, if the Holy Spirit is in you, this grace, this kindness from God is in you. This isn't a personality test where we look and say, oh, I'm not of this or I'm not of that. I want to let you know you're a child of God, and it means you want it all. You got the whole factory, Charlie. You get it all. So we've been asking these five questions. And as we look at teaching grace today... I want to begin by asking them one last time here. Number one, why do we need teaching grace and what are its defining marks? And I would tell you this, that teaching grace stirs us with hunger for two reasons. To fully discover God and to develop into your destiny. What does teaching grace do in our life? First, teaching grace comes to actually help you discover God. Did you know that everything you hold true about God, somebody taught you? There's a spiritual house that you hold. Everything you've ever discovered about God, and for us as people of the word of God, we look to his word for authority, but that word has to be taught to our souls. It's not just that. It's not just the universal calling where we discover God, but it's the personal calling where each of us develop into our own destiny. There's over 8 billion people on the planet, and God has never made a duplicate. He doesn't make copies. He only makes originals. And when God made you, he has a particular way that you move his heart that nobody else will quite move. And it's the teaching grace often that articulates it so that you can grab a hold of it and put it in language that people can come around you. The word teachers used 58 times in the New Testament. 41 of those times is referring to Jesus. Jesus Christ is our teacher. 
And 17 times he shared it as a leader in the kingdom of God. And I would define a teacher this way. When you talk about a teacher, there's two things at play. A teacher, number one, is an explainer. A teacher is somebody who brings understanding to difficult concepts. But that's not enough. A teacher is not just somebody that gets up and talks about it because I'm going to argue that you have not walked through and experienced teaching until the second takes place. See, a teacher is an explainer, but beyond that, a teacher is an equipper, showing you how to do something for yourself. I love this quote. A teacher is one who takes what is perplexing and makes it palatable. What is confusing, clear. What is difficult, desirable, and what is inaccessible, an inspiring invitation. A teacher takes bread from a high shelf and distributes it so even the smallest child can take and eat. Now, I may be biased as teaching grace is the greatest grace that I watch walk through my life, but I want to tell you today that I believe teaching grace is absolutely vital to us. In fact, if you look in the New Testament, there's at least three reasons that's true. Number one, you see this, teaching was one-third of Jesus' ministry that he called us to continue on the earth. Everywhere that he went, he went teaching or preaching the kingdom of God, healing the sick, and setting the captives free. And what's amazing about that is those three actions, teaching or preaching, healing, and setting the captives free, are all about restoration of our body, our soul, and our spirit. But Jesus walked through. A third of Jesus' ministry was teaching. The second is that teaching is at the heart of the Great Commission. We've heard it before, Matthew 28. Go make disciples of all nations, but many of us miss the next word. Go make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. So for some of you today, I'm going to start talking about teaching, and you're going to come about unglued and out of your seat because, oh my gosh, you've always seen it as you, and the rest are going to be like, oh man, there's a teacher with more teaching words, and I want to tell you that the teaching grace is in you, and you're never going to fulfill your calling to make disciples until you embrace it. Teaching is at the core of the Great Commission. The last is that teaching has been a foundational activity from the early church to the present day. In fact, you can go back even further to the temple. We've always come together to worship the king, to read the scripture, and to learn, to have someone instruct us in the way that we have a unified blueprint and how we run together. And so the teaching grace, how do we know what that looks like in our life? How do we define it? I'm going to say that there are three defining marks of teaching grace. Number one, teaching develops your life and your calling. It forms the, the spiritual house of how you see God and life and sin and hope and redemption and your specific place in the world. As I said just a minute ago, everything that you actually hold to be true right now, you hold to be true because somebody taught it to you. There, there are blueprints of your spiritual house right now, for better or for worse. There's some things that you believe about God that have become a foundation, and they're true because somebody taught you. And there are other things that we just talked about and sang in this song that are lies, they're faulty walls, they're getting in the way of the open concept that Jesus wants for you to run and dance and play because it was taught to you the wrong way. You see, that's what teaching does. Is teaching, for better or worse, develops your spiritual house. It's the first place that we walk together in everything you believe. In Colossians 1, it says it this way. It says, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery. What's the mystery? It's that Christ in you is the hope of glory. You have a spiritual house that radiates with the glory of Christ. And somebody this morning, if you're happy and you know it, please tell your face. You have a spiritual house 
that radiates Christ. Okay, I'm sorry. Let me just go back one more time because I think I'm speaking a different language this morning. You are a spiritual house that is not a cookie-cutter house. It has never been built before. He didn't set it on repeat and let it go. He built you brick by brick a certain way, and he's developed your house. Why? Because you radiate Jesus Christ on the earth in a way that helps people experience God. Four of you agree with me, and that's awesome. I'm going to continue. I'm almost there. I'm almost there. Listen, it's teaching that starts to develop our spiritual house, that defines the walls, that puts things in place. The second is this, that teaching defines healthy spiritual muscles. It strengthens and refines your heart to continually mature and Christ-like surrender and obedience. I love it when you hear people talk about going to the gym. When you go to the gym, you're going to do one of two things. You're either going to the gym to get to the weights for bulk or for definition. Those are the two things that you're going to hear from anybody, right? And here's the deal. For some people growing up who is like, I want to go and I want to lift 1,000 pounds, but you look like this, then what we always say is, I'm just going for definition. That's all I want. I'm not really going for bulk. Um, with translation, I can't lift any of those weights, so just define what I got, Jesus. There's something about definition. Definition where something becomes clear. It comes into focus. It becomes healthy. It becomes everything it was made to be. So I'm going to tell you this. Teaching first helps define the walls of your house, but second, teaching defines the muscles within you. Look at this in Colossians 2. It says, So then, just as you receive Christ as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. A third one I'm going to tell you is this, that teaching develops your life, it develops the spiritual house, it defines your muscles, and third, teaching directs your path. It anchors your hope, it settles your soul, and it orders your path to walk confidently with God. See, when God speaks to us, praise God, we've got the Holy Spirit that speaks directly to your heart, that, that talks directly to us, and is there nothing more beautiful than the Holy Spirit in coming and giving you a personal word from heaven to you? That's awesome, Right? But here's the deal. This is what the scripture says. It says that we've been given a word of prophecy made more sure. In other words, when you think you've heard something from God, how do you know if it's God or not? Now, some of that's going to be we walk in community, but then that could just be a whole bunch of people giving their opinions. How do we know if something is God? We've been given a word of prophecy more sure. It's talking about the scriptures. And when we stand upon the scriptures, the scriptures become a plumb line. And it is the grace gift of teaching that gives language to the scriptures to define the path of our lives. So what happens if we're not strong in teaching grace? What happens if you come into any community of people or in your own life and say, I'm just going to take an a la carte menu. I'm going to watch a video from Stephen Furtick over here and Joel Osteen over here, and I'm going to listen to Maverick City over here. I'm just living my own best life, and I'm just going to pull everything from the shelf that I think I need. But you don't actually get in a stream where consistent teaching grace defines and builds and renovates the blueprint the way it's supposed to be. What happens if the church doesn't walk in healthy teaching grace? I'm going to tell you there's only two possible results. The first is this, immaturity and impotence. We fail to grow up in obedience and holiness. We suffer a lack of the transformational love and power of God in our midst in favor of man-made pursuits. 
We lean on our own understanding, and so we perish for a lack of knowledge. What happens when we're not strong in teaching grace? We stay immature. And because we stay immature, we have no power in our lives. It's just our own man-made systems that we build, and they hurt people. The second is this, and it goes right along with it. If we lack teaching grace, we will experience emotional wandering and entitlement. Failing to trust God as our authority, we will allow our own emotions to take the throne. And we will trade holiness for the haughty and hollow chasing of our own whims. We become self-important, impatient, easily offended, and obsessed with our supposed rights, trading good news for spiritual gluttony and grumbling. What happens when we're not strong in true teaching grace? We start to pick the diet however we want. We eat whatever makes us feel good. We surround ourselves with people that are going to agree with the world we already want to build, and we want to stamp Jesus' name on it. We don't grow up. We don't walk in power. We're emotional and all over the place, and we live entitled. And I got to tell you this morning, if the shoe fits, kick it off. It was not your shoe to wear ever. Because who has teaching grace in them? There you go. Who has teaching grace in them? That's it, right? We all carry this. So here's what I want to ask in the room. Second question I want to ask this morning is this. Is teaching grace your primary grace function right now? We talk about all of these, and some are going to be really strong. The measure of it in your life is strong, and you just can't avoid it. So how are you going to know? Well, I've been encouraging you the whole series to go on our website, myoverflowchurch.com. We've got a five-fold test you can take there. It's just a resource. It just simply helps you to kind of walk through and see, is this a grace I regularly operate and function in? I'll tell you quickly one more time. There are five other ways you can know that. The first one is passion. And what I'm about to say, some of you are going to get deliriously excited. You're going to be like, that's me. That's a good indicator. The second would be burden. Burden's the other side of passion. Burden is when you look at brokenness, when you think this is what's broken in the world. When I was just talking about entitlement and emotional immaturity, and you're like, yes, yes, that's it. It's probably a good indicator that the teaching grace is strong in you because that's what you want to see Jesus solve. The third would be a recognized strength. If you walk in and what I'm about to mention, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to list eight things that are typically true of teachers. And if the person next to you who knows you is nudging you the whole time, it's a pretty good indicator. That's probably you. The fourth, though, this is the one we often miss, is need. If right now, as I was just sharing some of this, you're like, oh my gosh, that's true in my family. Oh my gosh, that's true in my workplace. And somebody needs to do something about that. I just want to remind you, who has teaching grace? I do. You do. If God puts you in any room where there's a lack of grace, and you look around and you don't see anybody calling the ball, it's like just what happened last week with kickball. I found a big difference between teams that called the ball and teams that didn't. Right? See the team that would call the ball, all of a sudden be up and somebody goes, I got it! The other one, I loved watching because there was one game, I won't even say who it was, my team, and then all of a sudden in the outfield, I watched three people run all the way up to it, triangulated, all looking up like this, and the ball goes, boom, right in between the three of them. So I want to tell you, if you go in the room and you go, gosh, we desperately need teaching grace, please don't look up with your eyes to the sky going, I hope somebody does something, call the ball. That grace is in you and God will release it. It says the Holy Spirit releases grace as we need it. The last one I'm going to ask is this, and I'm going to give you an indicator today for what health looks like in your life. It may be possible that you've been called to be a teacher, but some things have happened and you need to be restored to health. We're going to invite you to do that today. Here's eight indicators that you're strong in teaching grace. Now, none of these are going to be true universally for everybody. It's not a personality test, but this would be some ways to recognize, is that me? 
Number one, indicator you're strong in teaching grace. You love understanding how things work and explaining them to others for as long as someone is willing to listen. <laughs> People ask, Pastor Chuck, how long do you preach? Till I'm done. That's how long I preach. Number two, you see lessons in everything, and you regularly transform mundane moments into teaching opportunities. Number three is closely linked with this, and my kids at this point are going to be like, oh my gosh, this is my dad. You love story and understand imagery deeply. You can't watch a movie or read a book without sharing how it reflects larger realities of God and life for better or worse. That'd be my children being like, God, Lord, help us. We're watching Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. <laughs> and my dad is talking right now about the importance of our spiritual appetites and why God doesn't always give us everything that we want and the majesty of how we can see magical things happen. That might be your grace. Number four, you get most excited when you're leading people into a new realm of hunger or discovery. You love watching the lights turn on in people's souls. Number five, you respect the deeper nuances of complex issues and struggle when others respond in apathy or premature judgment driven by ignorance. I want to tell you, as a teacher, I just want to say this to any other teachers in the room, the greatest pet peeve of a teacher, twofold, is apathy and ignorance. If you start to share a truth that has changed your life and you see that people just don't seem like they're getting it and they don't care, a teacher just can't move on. They're going to tell you again and again and again that your spiritual house, Christ in you is the hope of glory, and I'm going to keep talking about it until I see that we care. But there's a second one. In fact, I'm going to say that a healthy teacher makes the best type of person to step into a debate. See, what we're seeing with presidential debates these last years is not the true nature of debate. I was a high school debate teacher. That's not debate. That's childishness on display from every side. It's name-calling, and, and it's beneath us. True debate actually starts by first building a bridge of recognizing every place you agree first, because the point of debate isn't to be right. It's for us to be better. Right? So the point of debate is there's one God, I'm not it, and so I'm going to share everything I see, and you're going to share everything you see, and we're going to build as much foundation as we can. And here's what I love about a great teacher. The reason they're good about it is because they slow down with everything they've come to build, so when they hear somebody else's thought, whether they agree with it or not, they respect it. They respect deep thought, and they can quickly recognize, oh, this is where we build our foundation the same, and this is the point to which our walls are the same, and this is when we started building differently, and this is why, and they can pinpoint that and recognize it well. Number six, you think deeply. Your convictions are the result of detailed analysis, study, and reflection. Number seven, you love to study and discover. You're prone to read, write, and consume educational media. So that's books, podcasts, documentaries. You're going to find teachers are all around that stuff all the time. They just got to learn. The best teachers are the best learners. And number eight, you're a natural trainer and you are sought to help individuals or teams in your area of expertise through presentation and or practical workshops. So I'm just curious here in the room for a minute, how many of you would say right now that you feel that teaching grace is a strong grace in your life or that God is leading you into a realm right now where the teaching grace needs to be strong in your life? Let me just see, show of hands. If that's you, some teaching grace people in the room. Oh man, that's awesome. So listen, at the end of this service, I'm gonna have an opportunity to pray for you, but first, I've gotta join you and give you a few warnings. I've got to talk about the misuses and abuses of teaching grace. 
And I would love briefly to just give four warnings for teachers. So if you were one of those that raised your hands and went, oh, that's me, there's four places I need to warn you. Number one is this. Oh, that's my time. There we go. <laughs> Twelve angels just got their wings. <clears throat> four warnings that I want to give you. The first warning I want to give for teaching grace people is misrepresenting the gospel. Misrepresenting the gospel due to pride or the pursuit of praise. In the Apostle Paul's last letter that he wrote to Timothy, he said this. He said, preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. I want to tell you, if teaching grace is strong in your life, as I look through the scriptures, by far the loudest warning given in the Bible to teachers is right here. Don't confuse the gospel with your agenda. Don't confuse the gospel with your opinion. Don't confuse the gospel with your need to be wanted. I will say this just to remind all of us that God's word is inspired. Your interpretation of it is certainly not. God's word is inspired, amen? amen? But the way you and I see his word is not. You see, we still see through a mirror, through a glass dimly. We do not know all that we're going to be, but when we see Christ, we will see him as he is, 1 John says. We don't know it all. We don't have perfect theology because only Jesus is perfect theology. And this isn't the problem for some people. See, this has been the problem since the beginning. The whole problem with the story of Israel, the story of the early church, is that there is much danger when we add requirements to the finished work of the cross. And there is much danger when we take away from the pure pursuit of union with Jesus for using God's name for the pursuit of any other treasure. See, there's a problem when we start using the gospel and using Christian words and following Jesus so that we'll get approval or power or sex or money or success or influence. So I want to say this. If you're a teacher, we've got to know the gospel. Don't sanitize it. Don't tame it. Don't explain it away. Don't bow to the agenda that others demand. And I want to remind us that the agendas around us take place on the left and the right. And there are many false gospels that fall short of the hope and holiness and freedom and transformation of a heart fully captivated by Jesus that leads us to be a conduit of his love and his power pouring through us to transform the world. I want to remind us that we fall just as quickly into a false gospel that ignores or erases moral standards for what we say makes us happy. As we can fall into a false gospel of us versus them, spiritual indifference and violence that completely misses the fact that what God did for his enemies was die for them. See, we have no enemy of flesh and blood, but we are the people who will recognize that our only enemy is the system of sin and scapegoating that has infected the whole planet and that Jesus alone is the antidote. And if the Son has set us free, then we will be the people who do not point our fingers in judgment at others, but devote our lives to pursuing our furthest enemies until they become friends of God. Yeah. I got to tell you, in this whole thing that's going on in Israel and Palestine right now, and I love the posts that come and say we stand with Israel because I want to say, amen, 
and. Yes, we stand with Israel. Yes, Israel has a a special place in the heart of God. That's absolutely true. But if you're saying I stand with Israel and therefore not for Palestine because the people in Palestine go that way, I'm going to tell you, you are standing against the purposes of God and people that he made and that he died for. And we as believers, the reason teaching grace of the gospel is so desperately needed is because if we don't get it, we will live with small borders and high walls. So if I have a first place where I have to encourage you if you have teaching grace is don't water down or add to the gospel. I'll give you a truth. If you choose to stand for the real gospel... It will get you misunderstood by all sides at various times of your life. The bolder I've gotten, I've been told that I've gone too far in the name of grace and not far enough in the same message. And I have to tell you here that the loudest ones that have opposed me in my ministry have been fundamentalist Christians who want wrath and vengeance and are upset that I will not take stronger political stances to, to advance agendas. I would remind us today that what put Jesus on the cross was not the strictness of his morals, and certainly they were strict. Read the Sermon on the Mount. They're more strict than anything you read in the Old Testament. It's not what put him on the cross. What put Jesus on the cross was saying that too many of them, the lepers and women and children and sinners and foreigners, were invited to experience the same grace and have an equal seat at the table with us. So if you're going to teach the truth, can I just give you a preview? Listen, I don't even have that large of a platform, but I got to tell you, the louder I get, I've gotten in so much trouble just by saying Jesus loves people. So I just want to tell you, if you live by men's praise, you will die by their criticism. If there's a first charge I need to give you as teachers, it's this. Preach the gospel with thick skin and with a tender heart. Don't get cynical, don't get jaded, but know who and whose you are and know that if you look like him, you're going to get the same response that he got. Second warning I'll give. I was a little passionate about that. Can I get my water right there, buddy? So by the way, you'll know what messages, if you ever want to know what messages am I most passionate about, the ones where I lose my voice. I'm not a yeller, but I am passionate. Second warning I want to give, if you have teaching grace in you, is this. It's relational and emotional disconnection. And this is just super practical. Okay, Many teachers love solitude and they love study. If you're a teacher, then I know this. You're deeply passionate about truth. But if you're not careful, you can elevate revelation above relationship. You can get to the place that you just want to live isolated and you can miss the maturity that the other graces are going to bring you. Or if you're not careful, you might find yourself trying to be a keyboard crusader and lament that nobody's following you. Because God first comes to us not in instruction, but in incarnation. So I want to remind you, if you're a teacher, your presence is far more valuable to the body of Christ than your precepts. Third warning I want to give to teachers is impatience and frustration. Teachers, you have deep theology and thought, and in your head you've got worlds of how the world works that are built up, and you are eager. You burn for other people to know it, but it can be really easy to get frustrated 
when people challenge it or misunderstand or respond with hesitancy or lack enthusiasm. It can be easy to believe in that place. Well, they just don't care. They, they, they just don't get it. I can remember that in the early years of overflow, there was a joke that went all the time. And I've gotten much better, y'all. But some of y'all were like, we need to get some phone insurance for this boy because every third message he preaches, like when people don't respond quick enough, he just throws his phone down on the ground and has a little bit of a Jesus tantrum up on the stage. And I got to tell you, part of what I've seen in maturity is that was what was happening was truth that was burning in me that I wanted more than anything for us to walk in together. I'm in the room, and in the glare of the lights, I'm like, I'm not sure this is translating. And it just frustrated me because I wanted that more than anything else. And so I just want to say this if you're a teacher. What seems simple to you is really complex for your hearers. What you think is a lack of passion is almost always simply processing. They're trying to catch up with the train of thought that you have that has been barreling down the tracks that you've had for months and years to develop, and they're just hearing it today. So if you're a teacher, you've got to commit to slow down over the long haul and to make it accessible, which is why you ask, why have you had a teaching series from August all the way to November? That's exactly why, is that we're going to slow down so that we all get there. I'll also say this for you as teachers, just because you think deeply about some things doesn't mean you've thought deeply about everything, and there are plenty of rooms you walk in and you're still processing, and you're the slow one. So just don't forget that, because when you want other graces to slow down, you're like, I just don't get how you can do that thing, and you wouldn't want them to throw their phone at you, please don't return it back to them. The fourth warning I want to give teachers, and then we're going to turn in and just really apply this for us today. The fourth and final warning is this. It's hypocrisy. And I want to tell you that just because you understand truth doesn't make you the most mature person in the room and standing under truth. Being a mouthpiece of truth doesn't make you its master. So if there's a charge I have to give, it's that we would live the gospel we preach, that we wouldn't confuse revelation with consecration, that we'd be more interested in following Jesus than getting followers, and that you would preach the gospel loudest and most to you. And I hope when you come on Sundays, you understand something. I hope you understand that I don't have it within me to preach at you. In fact, all that's happening up here on Sunday is I'm giving you an invitation to join me in my prayer journal. Because actually, I'm the one that needs the truths that I preach the most. And in fact, I can prove it. You only have to hear it once. It has to live in my head for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. Because God wants it to go deep. You know this if you've ever preached a message or given a presentation, the one you preach loudest to, the one most changed by anything you're ever going to say, is you. And that's by design. So I would just say this. How do we protect ourselves from hypocrisy? If you're a teacher, how do you know? I would say don't try to show others how to follow something. You first haven't surrendered to follow yourself. Let a testimony of transformation in your life and in the world around you inform you when you're ready to preach. And I'm going to tell you, you're never going to have it with perfection. But before you open your mouth to share it, you better have it in passionate pursuit. Yeah? Good. Let's apply this thing. Question number four, how is teaching grace being equipped and multiplied at Overflow? And so I've shared that there, there are three places where you really get plugged into our church. The first one is our corporate worship gathering. A second is in a smaller place where you actually find deeper relationship and missional community. And the third is in our support ministries, which is really where you discover your gifts and you start to serve with a team of people together. And all three of these, corporate worship gathering, missional community, support ministry, they make up the church. And all three of these right now are thriving with teaching grace. 
How do we do it? Number one, in corporate worship when we come together. I have the joy of being the five-fold leader of teaching grace here. And this is what it looks like on Sunday mornings. You're sitting in it. Good job. Yay, you. If you're still awake, you're presently applying teaching grace. Hallelujah. We've committed on Sunday mornings most weeks to come together following the pattern of the people of God from the beginning, to open the scriptures, to give vision to us as a family. And the reason, by the way, is not because everybody else has done it, but because it gives us a unified vision of how we're going to walk together to Brandon, the Bay, and beyond as a spiritual family. How do we walk it out in support ministries? Some of our support ministries will pull up here on the screen, but I want to tell you, we have a number of ministries that walk with teaching grace that are present in them. Overflow Kids and Overflow Student Ministries. Our men's ministry, which we're kicking off the beginning of next year. Our women's ministry, led by Nikki Hathorne. Our sub-30 ministry, led by our deacon, Ben Truslow. Our foster's ministry led by Josh and Courtney Lambert. All of these ministries have places that teaching and instruction are at the core. So I would just encourage you right now, if one of those areas lights you up, you need to find the leader of that ministry and say, hey, what avenues would there be for me to walk as a teacher here? We see that in our creative arts ministry, fun arts and fine arts and creative arts for adults. In our restoration ministry, in fact, you're going to hear a new facet of the restoration ministry kicking off the beginning of next year under Pastor Cindy's lead, which is going to be incredible and amazing. And so much of it is instruction-oriented. The last way that we have that you plug it in at Overflow Church is through our missional communities. And so just as we've done for each of the five graces, I want to encourage you to take a look at your screens where Pastor Josh and I take an opportunity to tell you real quick in the last five-minute fivefold how teaching grace looks at Overflow Church, and then we're going to stand up and apply it. Take a look at this video. Hey, welcome to the five-minute fivefold. You've got Pastors Chuck and Josh here. And we want to talk to you today about the teaching grace, activating the teaching grace in your missional community. And one of the key words that we wanted to communicate to you guys was that when we're talking about the teaching grace, we're talking about aligning. Aligning and activating. That's right. Uh, So when we talk about aligning, we're aligning with God and his truth. So we're looking at the word of God, we're in prayer, and we're lining up with what he says, not what we feel or what we think is right, but with what God says. Yeah, and then the second part of that you want to do is as you operate in the teaching grace, and that's who this video is for, you operate in the teaching grace in your group, you want to help people activate the truth of God in every area of their lives. So you're constantly just just looking and saying, okay, this truth about God, why does it matter? You want to help people ask intentional questions that connect the word of God to their daily lives. So as you look at that, there's a few questions we want to give you in this video for you to be most effective in the teaching grace. The first one is this, what questions should you constantly be asking with the teaching grace and helping equip that in your group. How can we grow in our intimacy with God is one of the primary ones that we'll be thinking about all the time. Yeah. And a second question you want to ask is how can our missional community practically um, walk out a biblical worldview together? We know that we live in a place right now where there are lots of different doctrines and opinions about God that are standing. And we want to help people be grounded in the spirit of God and the word of God. And so one of the things the teaching grace does is it slows us down from the outrage culture and gets us to actually think about who is God and what does he say. So those are things you're going to help with. The next question that we want to tackle for you as the teaching grace person in your group is what does the teaching grace look like when it is healthy in your missional community? What's the target you're looking for? Healthy, that's key. So uh, healthy, we're looking and identifying and speaking the hope of the gospel into every situation that we encounter. Yeah. 
So we, we really want to help them be able to see a lens of the gospel everywhere they go. And then the second part of that is I think you want to see them grow in confidence of that. That, that as the Holy Spirit comes in us, that it's we have a sense of, oh, this is what God says. We don't walk in cockiness, but we walk in confidence and we walk in compassion. And so you're just helping them really be able to see the gospel everywhere confidently. The next question we want to ask is this. How can you help equip the teaching grace in your group throughout the week? So for your missional community, remember, when we talk missional community, it's your family. And so that would be the group of people first. So Pastor Josh and I are actually in missional community together. When we talk missional community, the first thing we're talking is the relationships. The second part of that will actually be in your group meeting. So how do you actually walk it out throughout the week as you go together? If you're a teaching grace person, how do you help them grow in that? One of my favorite is the text thread that we have going. And in that, we're sharing different blog articles, videos, songs, memes that are just funny to make each other laugh. Just a way to keep in regular communication and to share what we're learning throughout the week in our quiet time and things that we come across. Yeah, I think that's good because you, you regularly will share things like blogs that are coming or, or hot topics that will come. And, and what does the gospel say about that? Another one we walk through together is we actually, you know, just like as a church, we're going through the Bible reading plan together. Um, that you look for opportunities. So I love that in our missional community, we, we look for opportunities to say, hey, what's the Lord teaching you as you read through the Bible together? And we have these daily devotions that we get. Those are key places where you can just blast out a question as you read through the Gospels together and share what God's teaching you. Um, now going a little bit deeper, we ask the question, how do you help take intentional moments in your missional community to see the teaching grace activated? What can they do? We celebrate a lot. We love to start with wins and things that we're celebrating. Every week. What, every week, yes. Almost the first thing we do is we want to hear what's going well and what we're celebrating. So we make time for testimonies, uh, things that they can share, prayers, things that have been answered. We want to celebrate prayers that we've been praying together that have been answered, and then even what God's teaching you. We also talk about that as well. Yeah, and then we try to take opportunities, and really, you, you come into your missional community, look for opportunities to study the Word of God. Whether you're talking about a hot topic that's going, take it back to the Word of God. What does God have to say about this? Or actually study through Scripture together. One of the things that I love that you've done before is, is a uh, Lectio Divina, just taking some time to listen. Can you take a second and just talk about that? Yeah, Lectio Divina is as simple as choosing a passage of Scripture, and typically it's a parable, one of the things that Jesus would teach, and you read through it three times. And the first time you're, you're listening together as you read um, for a feeling that God would give you. Or something that would stand out, sorry, is the first thing you're looking for. And the second thing you're, uh, is a feeling that God is giving you as you're uh, reading that. How does it make you feel? And then what are you supposed to do with it? Like, is there something that you're supposed to do as an individual? Is there something that you're supposed to do as a missional community together uh, to actually activate what you're doing? That's incredible. There you have it. That's the teaching grace. So listen, if ever you're stuck and you don't know what to do, you can reach out to Pastor Josh. Or you can reach out to me. We're right there for you. And that is your five-minute Bible All right, go ahead and stand with me if you would. So y'all, it has been a number of weeks together. Yay to you. You have done it and you have made it. And there are two last things that we need to do. So I'm just going to ask with me right now, if you would just close your eyes and I'm going to ask that you would just lay your hand on your heart. This just reminds us that these truths are for us. They're not for somebody else first. So Father God, I just ask right now, as you are building us together as a church where the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. We've been spending a lot of weeks 
talking about the different glories. And there have been different weeks that different people in the room have walked in and said, oh my gosh, I feel seen, I feel heard. There have been other weeks where we've gone, now I get that person and what makes them tick and, and how we're to walk together. But Lord, our desire today is that we would mature in knowing you fully. Our desire is that we would not walk with small borders and tall walls. But that, Father, like you, we would walk out an incarnation that would go out into our streets with your love and your hope and your power of the multifaceted wisdom and compassion of Christ. So boldly right now, we say we need all of it. We need all of your grace in our life. I would encourage you with your hand on your heart right now, would you just surrender to say, God, I've heard all these graces. Would you just unlock them in my life? I don't push any of them away. Would you come have your way? As we started, would we end? Would you say, God, have your way. Have your way. Have your way. In just a minute, we're going to close with a corporate declaration. But before we do that, I believe there are some people in the room that walk with a high measure of this teaching grace or what you're hearing right now is the Lord saying, that's what I've called you to and you need a greater anointing. And I'm just gonna ask if that's you, if you're in the room and I'm looking here for the two or the three or the four or the 10 or however many it is, but I got up this morning asking and believing that God's gonna do something for you this morning. He's gonna give a new clarity and a new confidence. He's gonna give a new lane. I'm gonna ask if you walk in a great measure of the teaching grace and know you need a greater anointing, can you just slip out from your seat and just come right up here to the altar? Come right up just facing me right away, if that's you. But God is saying there's, there's a measure of his grace that he wants to increase in you today. Would you just come? I'm going to encourage you, if you're a missional community leader and you see somebody from your group here, if you could just come behind them just in support. Everybody else in the room, what I'm going to ask is we'll take just a few minutes just praying for our friends. Because i got to tell you, the more they walk in fullness, the more we walk in fullness. So I'll give just one more minute. If that's you, teaching grace is strong. I'm just going to ask that you would come forward. And I'm asking you to come right up to the platform because I'm going to want to come and just pray for you. Now, before I do that, those of you who've come forward, look at me for a minute. should come as no surprise to you when you come forward for a call for teaching grace. Before I'm going to pray for you, I'm going to have a moment of teaching. There's nothing else we can do. What more would you expect? You're a teacher. So there's a particular charge that I want to challenge you to right now. And I want us to go ahead and apply it right now because this is what we're going to pray the Lord's going to unlock. When I asked the Lord what I needed to pray for you, he said this, ask them a few questions. Number one, what has God given you to teach? What has God given you to teach? And here's what I mean. There's a million truths under the planet. It was over 20 years in ministry before the Lord spoke to me and said, hey, it's time to refine and hone in your voice. I've got to tell you every message I ever preach, every book I've ever written, everything I've ever done comes down to two things. I do two things. I have a fatherhood ministry. My fatherhood ministry is showing people the goodness of God the Father as revealed in Jesus and the greatness of their unique voice in him. By the way, it was Caitlin Tafflinger helping me build a website that helped me get language for that. But those two things, and you know what that tells me? That tells me what rooms to come in and get really loud. So the first question I'm gonna ask, I'm gonna ask you teachers, hands on your heart, and I'm gonna ask you to ask the Lord right now, 
God, what message have you given me to teach? Because you can teach all kinds of things, but there's a place where we desperately need your voice. I'm going to urge you this week, even as I pray for you, to clarify it down to a sentence. To say, this is what I bring. This is where I come alive. And I'm asking, even right now, that the Holy Spirit would speak to you with greater confidence. The second question I'm going to ask with your hand on your heart before I pray for you is what environments is God inviting you in for that grace to soar? And here's what I mean. He's inviting you into certain rooms and he's inviting you into certain relationships. What are they? There's places you need to get bold and say yes. There's places you you need to be mentored. There's places you need to walk. What is your message? And what is the environment? And here's what I'm going to take a minute and just pray for you. I'm praying for four things. I'm praying that God would give you clarity, that you would know the message of your heart, that God would give you confidence, that you would know your authority in him, that God would give you courage to keep saying what needs to be said, and that God would give you composure to stay in the fight, to not lose heart. And so right now, in Jesus' name, and I'm going to encourage you, congregation, if you could just extend your hands toward your brothers and sisters. And I'm just asking, Father, that you would come. Jesus, all I'm asking for in this moment is a conduit. I don't understand it, but I believe that you move. I believe that you move in a way that when we come in obedience, you pour out. And so I'm asking you to pour out. And I'm asking, Father, right now, would you release courage? I'm asking, Father, right now, clarity to fall on each of your children, would they know, would they know with confidence, Holy Spirit, would you speak, would you say this, would you give language to the teachers, show them right now, Father, show them this is what they carry, this is what they have to share, I ask right now for a healing balm to come over them for every time they walked in a room and they felt like their their message wasn't understood or embraced or needed. I'm praying for every place they've compared themselves to another teacher, that you would remind them right now what Shane said earlier, that Father, you called them into the rooms and no one else because they carry Christ in them, the hope of glory. You made them a spiritual house with a certain message that we need. So Holy Spirit, would you come now? Come now. Pour out. Pour out. Father, I'm asking for healing, deep healing over every heart. I'm asking every revelation or moment that feels like it's been lost, every place they've walked in and they've seen something, every hope deferred that has made the heart sick. Father, would you come and just pour in now? Father, I'm thanking you that you know no such thing as a junior Holy Spirit. And in fact, what you've told us is that it is the children that you call to come and it is children we must become. So I'm asking right now, and listen, there's bad etiquette. There's bad etiquette when you call somebody out in a prayer line, but when it's your daughter, it doesn't matter. So Father God, I'm just asking as a representative right now that this would be the reality. I stand with my daughter who I adore that you would give us an image that this is where you stand with your kids and I say to my daughter I'm pleased with the message
message that is in you. And I burn for it to get out. Please give him who he made you to be. And I will do anything in my power to see you walk in confidence and to protect you. And I want you to understand this isn't just me saying it as your dad. This is God the Father speaking to each of us. So teachers, you need to see this right here. You need to see the Father saying, I burn for what I put in you to come out. I'm pleased in it. Father, may you wash over every discouragement. May you ignite hope. Father, for the teachers, pour out, pour out. New revelation, new seasons, a new voice. Don't pay attention to the old tracks of what God built. He's got new places. He's got new rooms doing a new thing. Don't you see it? I'm doing a new thing. I'm asking right now, Father, that every lie that would stand in the way be broken. And I'm asking that you ignite. I'm asking that the next generation of teachers would stand so far above our shoulders. And indeed, we're seeing you do it already. So come do it more. Greater passion. Greater passion. No apology. The Father is pleased or out. We silence the voice of the accuser in every place. And Father, we speak and say where you have been faithful, teachers, where you have been faithful, God is opening doors of opportunity. As you sit before him, he will make your life his message and he will open doors that no man can shut. And so, Father, for each, and I'm just going to ask the congregation to agree, for each of these right now, Father, we ask that you would unlock the message that you've given them, that you would open the doors that you've called them to come to. If you agree with that, say amen. There's one last thing I want to do. I'm going to ask our teachers to come back. This is unconventional. Just trust me. I'm going to ask you to rejoin the congregation. And I'm going to ask everybody standing me because there's, there's one thing we need to do before we close this service today is that we've walked through a lot of teaching, not just to hear a lot of words, but for a commissioning. And if you haven't caught it, what we're doing right now, walking as a five-fold church, which means we're all gonna be a little uncomfortable all the time, it is a beautiful thing. And God wants to release something today, so this is what I'm gonna ask us. In this next moment, if Overflow Church is your home, I'm gonna ask you to respond boldly with the word yes, knowing that your lead pastor is stubborn. And if I feel like we've checked out, I'm gonna keep asking. So if this is your heart, I'm gonna ask you to reply and say yes. Will you make your presence a priority at Overflow Church, participating and focused and expectant on Sunday mornings and in a missional community and finding your gifts in a support ministry? Will you make your presence a priority? If you agree, say yes. yes. Will you take continual courageous steps to discover and step out in your gifts, finding your place to serve? And if right now you're not fully in, Will you respond not by getting offended or hiding, but by coming to the leaders to share it with us so together we can solve it? Will you keep going until you're fully you and fully at the table with us? If you agree, say yes. Will you refuse to live offended or to make assumptions or to stir drama or gossip or to take sides? 
Will you commit to resolve conflict directly and humbly and continually and hold on to who we can be together? If you agree, say yes. There's two more. Here we go. Will you banish seeing shortcomings at our church as the pastor's problem and instead see it as our collective opportunity to hear God and obey? If you agree, say yes. And this last one we're going to do twice because it's that important. I'm going to ask, will you choose delight today at Overflow, recognizing we are not a perfect church, but we are a great family that the Father delights in, and we will be louder about our reasons to celebrate than our grumblings of what are not yet. Will you delight today if you agree? Say yes. One more time, I'm going to ask, will you choose to delight today. When you talk about Overflow Church, will you look like heaven? Because I want to tell you this, I believe Overflow Church is the Lord's and I believe he's pleased with this place, which means when we go around with grumbling, we're disagreeing with the Father because we're the church. And if there's something to fix, we're part of the solution. So by saying yes, what you're saying is delight is becoming my soundtrack about the church and this church. If you agree with that, would you say yes? So now I want you to join me in this declaration. Would you say this? Say, Jesus, Jesus. I'm all in. And here's where we end. Say, Lord, Lord. Build, your church. build your church. Amen. Thank you, Lord.